morning everybody, welcome back from Easter, slightly rainy, it is Tuesday 19th of April. Tom, what was happening overnight? Thanks Marcus, welcome back as well. Uh, US markets a little bit weak overnight, all three of the major indexes eased from positive territory. There was some waning conviction ahead of a big week of US results, US quarterly results. Spire futures pointed to a 10 point rise on Thursday. They didn't trade since, or that was when they last traded, but the market is up about 48 points since we last checked. US quarterly earnings season in focus ramps up this week. Morgan Stanley offered some bearish comments. They said quarterly earnings season could be disappointing from a guidance and forward estimates standpoint. On the commodities front, LME was closed for Easter. Oil was up on Russian sanctions. There was also some production issues in Libya. China had GDP numbers out that were better than expected. And have RBA minutes today at 11.30. They're expected to add a bit more colour to the bank's hawkish stance. If you remember, they stopped using the word patient. On the market today, we have miners and energy leading the market higher with the LME closed. Healthcare and tech weaker. On the corporate front, zero resources up 18%. There was news the US government is going to lend them more than $100 million to help shore up some critical material supply chains. They are the graphite producer, Mozambique graphite yeah, flake. In Africa. And so the, it is the government saying we need more battery materials. So they're doing quite well up at around 18%. Hub24 has posted some strong quarterly growth numbers, but the standout is premium, PPS. Also the code for hub is HUB, premium quarterly inflows up 82% over the year, I believe, and their share price is up 15%. Dexas confirmed it is in late stage negotiations with AMP Capital's Australian operations, and private capital is understood to be eyeing off CleanAway Waste Management, that's code for CleanAway CWY. Incitec Pivot, IPL, has copped a $173 million hit from its Wagaman operation suspension that's in the US. And on the corporate front, we have housing starts and building permits data from the US with weekly chain store sales. There's a bit of Fed speak this week, which I think you're going to talk about, Marcus. We have Evans on, or tonight, Daily Evans and Bostic on Wednesday, and Powell speaking on Thursday. Expectations a bit muted. For market sensitive comments though. Yeah, PPS interesting actually because their share price down from $1.57 when they had a bid approach from NetWealth mm-hmm. and they're down, they've halved since then. So this is the first little spike up they've had since then. IPL is actually up 1.5% despite their despite their earnings hit. And coming up in US results this week, we've got after Bank of America last night were really the main ones, but we've got Johnson Johnson, Netflix, Tesla, AT&T, Verizon, uh, the main ones, I think. Good, thanks very much. And on the broker front, what have we got, Leighton? Anything? Thanks, Marcus. Just a couple to go through this morning. I've got Bank of Queensland, that's BOQ. Despite their poorly received results, they were down 6% on those results on Thursday. The brokers seem pretty positive. We've got a buy recommendation, an outperform, an overweight, and an ad recommendation have come in this morning with an average target price of $9.83, which is implying a 23% upside. And 
Orchem is back in the spotlight again, doesn't ever really seem to leave. The brokers are pretty happy with their results as well. Morgan Stanley, the only broker with a target price below the current share price. And otherwise we've got three buy recommendations, two outperforms and an ad recommendation. The average target price there is $15.89, which implies an 18.2% upside. And that's all I've got. Thank you. And Chris away this week, so no technical trades today. And Henry away this week as well, at the Monday Monday Festival in Convoy in his Maui van and with his walkie-talkie. And I will post his portfolio, or I've got it sitting on my spreadsheet, so anything dramatic happens in the small company's portfolio will highlight it. Otherwise, uh, strategy points today. I've written no peak paranoia last week or the week before I was writing about that CPI number in the US possibly being the highest CPI number we were going to see. And therefore, we were seeing peak paranoia on interest rates and we saw the 10-year bond yield in the US drop for two days on the trot and now it's gone up for two days on the trot and it's the highest it's been since 2018. No peak paranoia then is the first strategy point. We continue to worry about for now high price stocks, hot stocks, high beta stocks, sentiment driven stocks and the stock market generally whilst this interest rate worry continues and whilst it is going on value is still in vogue which is rather like saying Beige is in vogue at the moment, yawn, but growth stocks on the nose as rates continue to rise. So that CPI number hasn't marked the top of the interest rate worries just yet. Also, that Chinese GDP number, it was a actually a good number, but their economies dropped in a hole in March and April's supposed to be uh, worse as they worry about COVID issues and shutdowns in Shanghai. And apparently their ports are blocked up with unmoved containers. Workers are stranded. Home sales fell 26% in March. Retail sales fell 3.5%. Factories are shut. So Chinese economy going nowhere. On the back of that, everyone was expecting China to stimulate the economy by cutting the reserve requirement ratio RRR, which is basically uh, controls how much cash the banks have to hold. And if they cut the RRR, then banks have to hold less cash, releasing cash, and the banks can lend more. But it seems that with nobody spending any money and everybody locked up, there's little point dropping the RRR. And so they only dropped it by 25 basis points at the weekend, and everyone was expecting 50 to 100 basis points. So less stimulus than expected, probably because they're still also looking over their shoulder at global inflation and the fact they don't want to be cutting interest rates whilst the rest of the world's jacking theirs up. Anyway, less stimulus from China than expected and that's not really great for our resources stocks short term but our resources stocks doing fabulously today so probably a bit of a non-point. The other strategy point today was about how long the Russian conflict's going to go. It is clearly going longer for the moment and therefore pressure on energy prices, metal prices, agricultural commodities and therefore inflation generally and globally will probably remain. Point being the Russian conflict is now becoming a bit of a driver of inflation and the longer it goes on the longer the market will worry about interest rates. One point to bring up as well is that sanctions, and I remember Henry brought this up a while back, on average last for about 16 years. So even if there is a resolution soon, soon, those sanctions and those pressures are still likely to hang around for some time. Yeah. 
And I've got a chart of the Russian ruble in the Russian 10-year bond yield in the strategy piece. You can have a look at that. RBA minutes today. Rate rises are coming. They won't say anything or do anything. People don't think they will till after the federal election. It's not really politically clever for them to involve themselves at all in the outcome of a federal election. So they generally avoid doing anything. So rate rises coming in July. I don't know whether you guys are watching the property market in your local area, but I can tell you I am and it is quite clear property prices have peaked. We've seen more people move out of our area than we've seen in a long time as they suddenly saw themselves better off and have taken the money and run. I doubt they're going to get into another. This is the problem with downsizing is uh, the, the, the apartment you want is more expensive than your house. And by the time you paid stamp duty, it's a bit of a pointless exercise, I think. But anyway, there we go. And lots of Fed speak this week. It seems to me just the final strategy point, which is the whole market's on on hold until May the 4th when the FOMC meeting is. The chance of a rate rise at the moment is, or 50, point, 50 basis point rate rise, 88.8%, which is up from 43% a month ago. So 88% chance of a 50 basis point rise. And this morning you've got Bullard, if I pronounced that right, saying that they can't rule out a 75 basis point rate, rate rise. So we might be looking at 75 basis points. Anyway, clear that on May the 4th, the Fed are going to get on with the job. And so we're sort of on hold ahead of that. It could cut either way. It could be a moment of risk. Well, it is a moment of risk, but it could also end up being a moment of relief. Who knows? But uh, one thing is clear. We are not going to do much until then. We're going to stay interest rate paranoid until then, in which case we might as well go play golf for a couple of weeks. I think work on our handicaps. And that was the strategy stuff from me. Right, with uh, a, a cut down crew today, we are straight into question of the day. And my question of the day today is, what is the biggest rort in finance or in life, Thomas? In life? Well, I, I haven't thought about that uh, part of the question, but it definitely in finance for me, it is insurance and specifically insurance. I didn't even know I had in my super fund. And when you're young and you've had this experience as well with your kids and I know some of them and you think you're young and you're getting this contribution to your future and then that is getting eroded by life insurance and all these other insurances that you're paying and it might be $100 every month or whatever it is but that's not really the long-term effect it's $100 the opportunity cost of $100 over 30 years which if it's invested well is quite significant you're taken out of your super it uh absolutely right. Olivia, and you know Olivia, was working as a diving coach and a gymnastics coach, earning next to nothing for her school. And uh, she got to the end of that and uh, found her super had absolutely no money in it because somewhere along the line, she had not unchecked a box or she certainly wouldn't have checked the box, which said that she got life insurance she didn't need and uh, TPD insurance she certainly didn't need. She's got no dependents. And uh, Charlotte has now signed up with a uh, signed up with Seabus originally when she was a painter and uh, I had to to get hold of her uh, people at Seabus and say we don't want this insurance can you cut it off and they cut it off and she's since moved employers they opened another Seabus account and she's goddamn paying insurance again on it it's unbelievable that the this uh, insurance industry is allowed to infiltrate these industry funds and have a default of charge
charging young kids for insurance they don't need. It's absolutely disgusting. And it, it, something should be done about it. I am still faced with getting on to C-Bus and getting this second lot of insurance cut off uh, Charlotte's um, super. It, it's just draining. And as you say, it's not 100 bucks. What's 100 bucks compounded over 30 years? It's uh, a ridiculous yeah, cost. Yeah. Are you listening, politicians? It's sorted out. Anyway, sorry, that was a big rort. Uh, Mark is a bit triggered there with the oh, insurance ah, It's <laughs> sickening. It is sickening. There are people in the insurance industry sitting in high towers drinking expensive wines who do bugger all except collect the premiums on life insurance that they've got some kid to, to check off on it. Anyway, there we go. God, Gab got me going. I hate it. Right. Leighton. Well, on a bit more of a light-hearted note, <laughs> I think uh, the biggest rort in life in general is probably becoming an adult and just having to start to pay your own way you realize how expensive it is to just live in general oh you poor thing here's me with four kids what what have you got to pay your own rego now have you or your own car insurance or something not yet not, not yet, yet. How, old? How, how old are you how old are you late uh 24 so 24 and you're not paying your own rego and car insurance good God, this is this is why I'm poor. Yeah, <laughs> four kids leeching off it. They're still living with me. God, any anyone else want to press any of my buttons today? <laughs> anyway, there we go. Have we done on? Oh, I haven't done my uh, no. life's rot. One of my industry peeves is that it is not clear on some platforms, especially CFD platforms, that when you put money into their account uh, or when you buy a peer. To buy shares, uh, you're not necessarily buying shares and you're not necessarily putting money into your account, you're putting money into their account and they are, you are getting a beneficial ownership under your deal with them, but it's not your money. So effectively, if some of these platforms, not all of them, but if some of these platforms went bust, you're going to lose everything because it's in their bank account, it goes, to to the the, it goes to the administrators and the shares that you think you hold, you don't. You, you are taking a bet on a share price, so you don't hold the shares. So one of my biggest peeves is the lack of transparency of some platforms about who actually owns shares. So there are certain, for instance, we recommended Market Tech a while back. The only reason they appealed to me was because if you dealt through Market Tech, you got your own Macquarie Cash Management account and you got your own HIN. So so Market Tech could go bust and you still own all the shares in your own name and the cash is in your own bank account. Just be careful if you've got, if you're on a platform, whatever you worry about what platform you're on it's mostly the the cfd platforms just ask them do i actually hold these shares or are they beneficially held in for you and i should also add with those cfd platforms people aren't always aware of the leverage that you are exposed to so you think you're only at risk of say the 20 grand losing the 20 grand you've put in but that's actually been leveraged with that investment if people aren't aware of that by now cfd's been around what for 10 years or so and and there are some really horrible stories i got sent an email from a an MD who was an ex-MD who sent an email out to all the media outlets saying, this is the experience, this is how they operate, this is what we've been through, this is what some of the client issues we've had to handle. And within half an hour, I had an email from this CFD provider saying, if you publish any of that, we will sue you. Generally, they've cleaned their act up a lot. But I would just say to people, just ask or just be aware, do you have your own hint? And is the money in your bank account or their bank account when you're dealing on a platform? 
and even if it is in their bank account, just to act appropriately, which is don't put all your money in there because it's it's not not necessarily safe if they go bust. Anyway, there we go. Goodness, a bit of a rambling chatter for a first day back from holiday. Thank you, everybody. Have a fabulous day. Market looks like it's behaving, and we'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) 